are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Take your Bibles tonight, turn to the Gospel of John. While you're turning there, I will say that there's been a lot said, and I haven't heard one thing said that I couldn't agree with. And if, if anything's offended you, well, then you need to get realigned. Great peace have they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them. And uh, when the world in its wisdom knew not God, it pleased God through the foolishness of preaching. Not foolish preaching, but the foolishness of preaching save that will believe. And we've heard preaching this week. I appreciate the word of God. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove and rebuke and then exhort with all long suffering. For the time will come, and may I say the time has come, when they not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves. Lust is a desire for the forbidden. Lust is not always sexual connotation. Lust is a desire for the forbidden. And we're living in an hour where people have put their desires over biblical positions because their own lusts, they've heaped themselves teachers having itching ears and they've turned away there from, from truth and notice this next phrase and said, they shall be turned unto fables. Man-made stories, humanism, fables, make-believe. And that shall be turned, that's a judicial act. That's God saying, well, I gave you the opportunity. Amen. Romans 1 said he turned them over. I believe we're living in a society who has had opportunity. And in these last hours of the Laodicean church age, I believe we ought to do our best to preach to those who will still receive it. There's still somebody there that wants to be saved and lives want to be changed. I want to help you. I feel like I could use some humor, but man, my message is going to be about three hours long. And so I better get with it. Turn to chapter 19 tonight. John, the gospel of John chapter. You can remain seated because I've got a long text to read. I was preaching in, in Gainesville, Georgia, and uh, I announced my text, and I, I started to read my text, and three or four Pharisees wanted to show me how spiritual they were. So they jumped up right quick, and really what they did, they disrespected the text. I was already in the reading, and uh, they drew attention to themselves and caught me and distracted me, and I, I lost my place. I was trying to get back to my reading, and and I said, well, hold on just a minute. I said, y'all like to stand up for reading. I said, turn to Psalms 119 and see how long you want to stand up for reading. Give attention to the reading of God's word tonight. Chapter 19, verse one. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him and the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and, and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said unto them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I 
find no fault in him. And the Jews answered him, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid and went again into judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. And then saith Pilate unto him, speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and I have power to release thee? And Jesus answered, thou couldest have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Therefore that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And when Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place it is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the, for the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, behold our, your king. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore and, and unto them to be crucified and they took Jesus and led him away and he bearing his cross went forth into the place called the place of the skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other with him on either side and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. This title then read many of the Jews for the place where Jesus was crucified was nigh unto the city. And it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. Then said the chief priest of the Jews to Pilate, write not the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate said, what I have written, I have written. Praise God, I like that. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart, and he also his coat. Now the coat was without seam woven from the top throughout. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things therefore the soldiers did. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop 
and put it to his mouth. And then Jesus therefore had received the vinegar. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews therefore, because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was nigh, was, was, a, was a high day. They besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first and of the other which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true, and he knoweth that he saith true, that ye might believe. For these things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again another scripture saith, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Our Heavenly Father, I am grateful tonight that there was a place called Calvary. I'm grateful that from a child, even, even in the likes of Timothy of the, of the New Testament, I've been taught the Holy Scriptures that are able to make me wise unto salvation. And from my youth, I've heard the gospel, how that you died. We've just read about it in these following verses. Go further with the gospel, how that you were buried and how you rose again the third day. What a powerful message. A message that has transcended through time, even until 21st century humanity, where stand tonight with the greatest stories that have been read, have been told about the death of our Lord and Savior, an atonement, an eternal atonement that was made. Lord, tonight as I try to preach, I realize I stand where the arm of flesh has failed me, and I realize that tonight all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. And so I yield myself to you from the top of my head, the sole of my feet is my desire to please you. And I pray God Almighty, you give me courage and backbone, Lord, to say everything that I ought to say. And then God Almighty, I pray you give me discernment beyond my experience and beyond my flesh and beyond my own mind not to say anything that wouldn't bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, exhort, exhort the saints to continue in the way as we await this trumpet sound. And Lord, if there be any in this vast crowd, not only those that are here in body, but those that are listening by way of, of the internet access, I pray tonight for old timey, Holy Ghost conviction, to make sinners aware of the brevity of life, the shortness that we have left, and awaken them to an awfulness of hell and the, the beauty of heaven. And I pray even across the seas there'd be somebody tonight that would trust you as their savior. Oh, sweet Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us at Calvary. We thank you for your broken body and your shed blood. And oh God, tonight, I wanna please you and I wanna make you, I wanna make you proud. So use me, I pray for your glory and for the extension of the gospel as we await the second coming. In Jesus' name I ask these things, amen. I want to preach tonight with the help of the Lord on this subject, lessons for Laodicea under the canopy of the cross. When I read this story, if you're like me, 
it, it creates and stirs an emotion in my heart. From verse one, they planted a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. That gets to me. I'm burdened about people that, that get over the goodness of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. I never want it to be old. I, I like that song, that old story never grows old. And I love to tell the story to those who know it best because they seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. It doesn't get old to me. I love to hear it told. And when I read through this, this account, uh, this synoptic account seen by many eyewitnesses, I, I look at the beloved John who writes this and, and it challenges me. I get to thinking about Calvary. I get to think about Golgotha, the place of the skull. I've never been there. My daddy took several trips. My mother told me about standing afar off and viewing Moriah, uh, Golgotha, Calvary. And she said from a distance, you could look at that mountain side and it was shaped as if it was a skull. Uh, two areas like sunken eye holes and it, it resembled the skull of a man. And I've never been there, but praise God, by faith I've been there. And when, <laughs> and this was a good day in my life when I went to Calvary by grace through faith and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. When I read these accounts of the, the scriptural witnesses, boy, it moves me. I think about throughout history, I'm talking about this place called Calvary, Golgotha has been the focal point. I'm telling you, it's been a, a major uh, a peak among all the mountains of human time and all of the stories of mankind. I mean, man, it's been a place where we find pardon when I think about Calvary. Thank God it is a place of pardon. I don't care how far you've gone. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Uh, the chastisement of our peace is upon him. Uh, and by stripes we are healed. Uh, all we like sheep uh, have gone astray. Uh, and we've turned everyone to his own way. Uh, but praise God, uh, the Lord hath laid on him uh, the iniquities of us all. Uh, when we were yet without strength in due season, Christ died for the ungodly. Boy, I thank God for that a place of pardon. Man, you and I would be lost today. I mean, condemned forever. We'd be on a slick road to hell. I'm talking about with no way out. But God, but God, but God commended his love toward us. And it, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. I mean, I like it. He did. He did pardon us. He purchased us. When Jesus Christ died, he paid the sin debt of mankind. We could never afford salvation. Nobody in here, though we'd work from the time of our birth to the time of our death, could ever accumulate enough funds to pay for the sin debt that we have acquired. But I'm glad this evening, praise God, without one red cent, without one dollar, without one nugget of gold, we can go to the Lord Jesus Christ and go to the foot of the cross and praise be unto God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's there and he's paid in full. He paid in full. Yeah, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a place of pardon. It's a place of virtue. It's a place, no doubt, of promise. A place of promise. I mean, he said, if you might take my life, he said, I can able to raise it up again. 
And I'm sure those disciples were heavy hearted as the nails were driven into his hands and feet, as they saw the lifeless form of our Savior suspended between heaven and earth, as they watched him naked there, beaten, smitten with reeds, his beards plucked out. I'm saying, friend, I'm sure there was a heavy heart. But praise God, that's not all there was to the story of the gospel. Moreover, moreover, here's over and here's moreover, praise God. Moreover, brethren, I, I declare unto you the gospel, I, how that Jesus died according to the scriptures, I, and how he was buried, I, and how he rose again I, the third day I, according to the scriptures. Praise God. If you've not believed that in vain, you've got a promise of heaven, friend. Place of promise, a place of propitiation. So many highlights of our biblical studies, we could go back and trace every one of them back to Calvary. I mean, the doctrines that we hold dear, had there not been a Calvary, had there not been a Galgotha, had there not been a place of the skull, I'm talking about from Abraham's trip there in the Old Testament, three days journey up to Moriah till present day, 21st century humanity, hey, praise God, there's never been a monument, there's never been a mountain, there's never been a memory as sacred as the place of the skull in Calvary. Lessons that Laodicea could learn. You read this, and man, I read it, and the Holy Ghost always begins to show me a little. You know, if you're saved, you've got the Holy Ghost. I'm not looking for a second blessing. I'm not looking for eradication of the flesh, really. I'm not looking for sinner's perfection. I'm just looking for the Holy Ghost to be my teacher and show me the way. When I study this scripture, he began to show me some things I believe are very applicable for our hour. Look with me, if you will, as we look at this centerpiece of humanity, this cross of Calvary, Laodicean church ought to be aware of verse number seven. The Bible said that Jesus was brought and already Pilate was having some difficulty with pronouncing him guilty. You know, it's pretty hard to when he's not. Amen. A sinless sacrifice. Tempted at all points like as we are and yet without sin the Lamb of God slain for the foundations of the world. It's pretty hard to hang some kind of crime on the Son of God. And he was trying to wash his hands and get out of it. But this is what they said in verse seven. Now, had the Jews answered Pilate, they said, we have a law. And by our law, he ought to die. Have y'all heard any of that lately? We have a law. And our law says, can I tell you that under the shadow of the cross tonight, you and I are challenged to, to persevere even in days of conflict. If you study this text, you'll find three times where because of the fear of the Jews, because of the fear of the Jews, there was a great fear. There was a great uh, a, 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 a fear of man that had come over God's people. You read about it, even old Joseph of Arimathea I mean, he came by night. He said, I don't want the Jews to know. Oh, Nicodemus, I don't know if it was day or night when he came. But in the same context, Nicodemus was there. He came the first time in the midnight hour. It's a day where people were fearing the judgment of Rome. They were scared of the overlords of Rome. I mean, society had deemed what they held dear to be, to be blasphemy uh, and a mockery. And yet today we're living in, a, in an hour uh, where good is deemed evil uh, and evil's deemed good. Uh, and the Bible said, woe unto them uh, and call evil good and good evil. 
We could learn the lesson tonight that there's gonna be conflict. Conflict is sure, yea, all that live godly. It's not optional. Yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies. The liberal, the moderate wants to twist that verse into some kind of a happy verse, but if you read it like it's written, like the Holy Ghost dictated it, it says he makes enemies. Our position under the cross, our alignment with a Calvary, our purpose in the Christ, our divine purpose that's been designated for the 21st century. Hey, it makes us out of place in this world. We're in conflict. I mean, the flesh lusts against the spirit, no doubt, but society. I'm saying to you, it's a sure, sure conflict. It's a scriptural conflict the severity of the conflict. I don't know how hard it's going to become. But as I read prophecy, it's got to get darker before the sun rises. Amen. I mean, we are, as, as old Billy Mitchell said back home, he said, the 21st century church is a victim of prophecy. We can't undo what the Bible said is going to happen, those evil men and seducers. We can't undo what the Bible said, perilous times shall come. Know this, be assured of this. But I tell you what we can do by the purpose of God and a made up mind. Hey, we can press on and move on in light of obstacle, in light of opposition. Hey, there was a conflict, social. Have y'all felt any social conflict lately? I mean, you just, you just forget your mask for a minute on the West Coast. And they look at you like you ain't got your britches on. Somebody help me. Y'all all right? I mean, man, you have committed the unpardonable sin. They're ready to lock you up socially. You and I, they want to knock on a door and witness for, the, for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and brag on it. Hey, they want to deem that unlawful. We have a law, and our law says, uh, we have political correctness, uh, and political correctness says, uh, we have science, uh, and science says, uh, we have academia, and academia says, uh, we have liberal religion, uh, and those moderates, uh, and apostates say, uh, hey, friend, have you not felt the conflict? There's conflict. We're not gonna get away from it. I wish tonight I had some happy announcement to give you at the conclusion of this meeting that when you go home, I mean, everybody's gonna run and hide. But the truth is, when you challenge the devil, he's never been one to lay over like a coward dog. The devil doesn't do it. He's not gonna tuck his tail, run under the house and, and run from you. Hey, the devil walks about. The devil walks about as a roaring lion. He's walking about tonight up and down the coast of a station. And he's walking about as a roaring lion. I mean, he's seeking who may devour. That's the kind of me we serve. That's why we have to humble ourselves and resist the devil because of the conflict. The lesson of conflict, I see, friend, that there's satanic conflict. We're seeing demonic oppression. I believe when Obama flew that uh, sodomite flag at the White House, he turned loose more devils in this nation. Amen. Our young people are not fighting the temptations that I had as a boy in the 70s. I mean, the drug epidemic has become spiraled out of control. 
We're living in days where I'm talking about the ungodly have been deemed heroes in society. There's conflict. And then we've got a moderate sect of the so-called believers movement that want to avoid the conflict. I thought we were in a warfare. Put on the whole armor of God. He didn't say put on your soccer shorts. Somebody help me. He said, put on a helmet of salvation and a breastplate of righteousness, shot with the preparation of the gospel, loins girt about with truth. Amen. I'm telling you, the sword of the spirit, hey, he's given us a warfare and he's given us a wardrobe and that wardrobe alone indicates that we're not in some softball game, friend. We're playing hardball and the enemy is after us. The conflict the conflict's not only satanic and conflict is not only uh, social. I believe the conflict is spiraling. I believe the conflict is severe. I look back on my youth and there's always been challenges with the church age. I'm not that I've apprehended I'm 58 years old, but I've watched through the years. I've watched the conflicts. I've watched those things that came before the church. But we're, we're facing tonight in this hour, at one time America stood with the church. Our government honored God's men. They honored this book. Amen. Now we don't know if they're swearing in with the Koran or the Bible. Somebody help me. We're living in perilous times. The lesson I see is that we gotta go on, friend. I mean, man, we got to go on through this conflict, through this, this, this warfare, hey, through this challenge, fight the good fight of faith. I like what those girls sing. Hey, fight on, praise God. Fight the good fight of faith. Endure hardness as a good soldier of the Lord. Most of the analogies and allegories throughout Old Testament and New are likened to either competitive events of sports or, or combative events of war. We've produced a millennial age Christian who wants no conflict. I mean, he's scared to unlike anybody on Facebook. He, he's scared to disagree. Hey, I'm telling you, God's people are in a battle. Like he said, I learned a lot this week already. I've learned at supper time, I've got to quit playing, keep on the firing line. Somebody say amen. But, uh, Man, I'm telling you, we ought to be involved from the time we get up. Listen to me, neighbor. We ought to be involved in this battle from our waking hour until the time we shut her down. And we ought to have dreams about victory and winning and going on for God. Hey, we're not just conquerors, neighbor. Hey, we're more than conquerors. The Bible said, greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Under the canopy of the cross, we see conflict. I see this, under the canopy of the cross, we see conviction. Where is that gone, Dr. Treber? I get in churches and it's become so novel. I mean, you get there and it's popping gum and telling Pollock jokes, somebody help me. And it's all so light. The spirit's so light. And I, you don't have to be solemn to be serious. But the truth is we've lost conviction. The fear of man's a snare, but to fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge. 
Amen. There is a place called hell. The rich man died, Luke 16, and in hell he lifted his eyes being in torment. The wicked shall be cast into hell and every nation that forgets God. We've, we've gotten so nonchalant and lackadaisical concerning spiritual things. When I say conviction, I get to thinking about the evidence. That's, that's, I'm talking about things that we hear. We don't hear things that convict us anymore. Amen, the pastor's in the pulpit with his air conditioner blowing on the congregation. Lord, bless everybody. Lord, give them a good raise. Lord, make them happy, get them a new car. I mean, he won't lose his tie and shake his head like a bulldog and say, Lord, send judgment on this crowd. Lord God, bring judgment down. Call them to righteousness. Oh, we just want everybody to be happy. Conviction. Don't you know that Pilate's wife, she's there and she sent word when, when Pilate went down to the judgment hall and said, man, listen, honey, I've been up here having dreams all this afternoon. And man, you're, you're fixing to sacrifice. You're fixing. Hey, you're making preparations to crucify a sinless man. Man, we need a conviction about who we serve. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was tempted at all points like as we are and yet without sin. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him the name that's above every name. Had the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Had Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ain't nobody like Jesus, friend. Ain't nobody was ever born like he was born. Ain't nobody ever lived like he lived. Ain't nobody ever died like he died. Ain't nobody ever got up like he got up. And hallelujah, ain't nobody ever coming back like he's coming back. We serve a risen savior. He's in the world today. We've lost our fear of God. I believe old Pilate was real nervous when he got that word. You know, I mean, here she said he's sinless. Conviction. Oh, Barabbas might have been convicted every now and then. We say crucify him, give us Barabbas. But I believe every morning Barabbas woke up after the crucifixion and was able to brawl, draw breath into his lungs and was able to grab hold of his wife's hand and children. He was sobered. Amen, there was a conviction. I mean, he had a conviction about the substitution, not only the sinless sacrifice, but he got convicted about the substitution of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he should have been the one on the cross. He was the one guilty. Now I know God and his sovereignty and God and his, and his omniscience had already made a plan for the foundations of the world. But man, Barabbas was guilty just like you and I were. Hey, we should have hung. We should be in hell tonight. And it ought to sober us. It ought to convict us. I'm talking about Calvary and the cross ought to convict you and I that we're not doing more for the Savior. I believe every day, Brother Larry, when... Barabbas woke up, he said, man, I'm, I'm blessed to be here. Had it not been for Jesus of Nazareth, had it not been for that son of God, I'd, I'd be dead, I'd be over with, and praise God, you and I'd be in the same shape but worse. I believe that conviction gripped the heart of the centurion. We read about it in the accounts of the gospel. There, when they took him off the cross, he says, into thy hands I commend my spirit. 
That centurion said, truly, truly, he was the son of God. Now, he didn't say it just right. I've got to help him grammatically in that sentence. Truly, he is the son of God. What he ever was, he still is. But I believe that centurion was sobered. There was conviction. He said, man, this man, this was not some ordinary man. Boy, we've gotten over our Savior. It's a sad day when you've got to do three cheers for Jesus. Somebody help me. I mean, you go to singing about Jesus, somebody ought to get happy on it. When you go to talking about that name Jesus, friend, I mean, it ought to motivate us to stand. It ought to motivate us to serve. I'm saying to you, friend, it was a day when conviction, conviction was evident. I think about that Pilate himself convicted. This is the God of sovereignty. Who are you, he said. I'm sure by the end of the conversation and no doubt three days later, the question was answered for Pilate. I am he who was dead, praise God, who was dead, but behold, I'm alive evermore. Oh yeah. I'm saying there's lessons for us to learn, get a hold of. When I think about the, the conflict, when I think about the conviction, that thief on the cross, he saw him as a savior of mankind. He's there on the cross, one of those thieves in mockery, prayed a little old prayer, didn't get as far as the top of the cross he was hanging on. If thou be, he was talking if to God, hey, you're not ready for salvation. Amen, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and for by grace are you saved through faith. There's no ifs in faith, praise God, amen. He, he said, if thou be the son of God, save us and save thyself and he died and went to hell. But there was another one on the other side, praise God. Yeah, and he said, shall today shall thou be in paradise. I'm saying to you that the lessons that we see are so applicable in this hour. Let us not get over what God's done for us. I think about it in conflict. I think about it in, in conviction. But, but I think about this. The Bible tells us in verse, verse number 25. Look at it with me tonight. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, Mary Magdalene. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus. Here's a lesson right here, a lesson of continuation. Earlier in Matthew, the Bible records where after that judgment hall experience, after he had been beaten, after that cat of nine tails, after Pilate had scourged him, that the Bible said all, it's in your King James, all, the, all of the disciples forsook him and fled. All of them, but there was one that didn't. There's one named John, the beloved. The Bible said he was standing. I, I, I'm wearied with this mentality of part-time Christianity and full-time. I don't like that talk. Don't come around here. I'm quadruple vocational. Somebody asked me, are you full-time? And I thought when you got saved, everybody got full-time. Don't, don't look down like you lost somebody. Look right up in here, praise God. There's no second-class Christians. You get born, hey, are you bivocational? Hey, say that around me. Try to, try, to, try to intimidate one of these young preachers around here. I'll embarrass the hound dog out of you, friend. Amen. He ought to be. Anybody too sorry to work is too sorry to preach. Somebody say amen. If you demand you got to have a full-time salary, hey, they shouldn't call you. Is everybody okay? But if you wouldn't work, and ha if you wouldn't pastor and have to work, then, hey, God ain't called you. Is everybody all right? Amen. 
I'm not getting what I'm wanting right there, but I'll, I, I'm enough fisherman. If I get hung on a stump, I'll circle around until I get off. Is everybody listening to me? Continuation. He stood. Oh, John the beloved, he's there. He's standing by the cross. I'm saying it seems like to me it's become a vocation anymore. I mean, I'm getting pamphlets through the mail celebrating, you know, uh, retirement parties. Is everybody listening? I didn't think we were supposed to quit in this thing. Last time I checked, it said go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things what I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always even to the ends of the age, even to the ends of the earth, even to the ends of the age, even to the ends of the, I don't understand that mentality, friend. Amen. Retire. Dr. Seitler used to say, retire. No, I said, refire. Praise God. That's what we need. It ain't quitting time. They say about these churches, you've heard them say it, Brother Mike. Well, he stayed too long and ran that church in the ground. That's some naive novice talking. I'm going to tell you, people, men of God aren't staying long enough somewhere. I say stay till they run out of money, praise God. Is everybody listening to me? And you gotta pay people to come hear you. Is everybody listening? Hey, if God put you there, stay there. In light of an empty tomb, in light of this cross. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be steadfast, be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor's not in vain in the Lord. Lord. Well, I'm hearing about quitting all the time. I just can't wait. I've done my time. Give me some Bible for that. I wouldn't want to entrust the work I've invested 40 and 50 years in to some novice. Yeah, man, friend, it ain't time to quit, Dr. Treber. I'm telling you, hey, re-up, praise God. Hey, take more vitamins, eat more barley green, whatever. Hey, bless God. Hey, hang in there, praise God. I mean, hang in there. Hey, hang in there. Hang in there like a rusty nail. It ain't time for you to quit. It ain't time for you to back up. It ain't time, praise God, to pull over on the side of the road. Hey, friend, press on, press on, press on, even until the the end of the age. I believe he's coming back. I believe the trumpet's gonna sound. It ain't time to quit now, friend. I'd hate to be at my retirement party when the trumpet sounded. Amen, friend. That's right, I need help. Serve. This Calvary, we see him standing. At Calvary, we see them serving. Laodicean church needs to learn that we need to be doing something. You stay at the cross and you'll find something to do. You make the cross big in your life. You magnify the cross and God will give you responsibility and obligation. He said to John, behold thy mother. It's right there in the second column. He said, Mother, behold thy son. And from that hour, he took her to his own home. It didn't stop there. I mean, after he died, we read on in the text, chapter number 20. The Bible said, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark under the sepulcher. 
and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher, and she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and saith unto them, uh, they have taken away the Lord out of our sepulcher, out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and sent the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. You know what they were doing after he was dead? When they had been disappointed? You understand, they saw him walk on water. They saw him raise the dead. They saw him open deafened ears. They saw him, friend, I'm talking about open blinded eyes. They saw him to cleanse leprosy. Hey, there was nothing he could not do. And they saw but how disappointed they were when they had to take him in Joseph's tomb. When Nicodemus had to anoint him with those spices, those oils, and prepare him for death and for the grave. Here they came. A lot of them done turned their back. Most of them's in an upper room. Somebody help me. Most of them are hiding out somewhere for fear of the Jews because of the political correctness, because we have a law, and they'd hit out. But there was some who came to the stone they came that morning like they'd done every morning to anoint our Savior's body. Did you know in light of our Savior's death, in light of our Savior's resurrection, in light of our Savior's promise to return, hey, you and I ought to be not only standing, but we ought to be stating and we ought to be serving. Serving. I thank God old John didn't decide to retire on the Isle of Patmos. Praise God, he didn't decide to throw in the towel and let some wet behind the ears take over the pen and quill and praise God and parchment and begin to write that great revelation. Hey man, I'm not getting what I want right here, but I'll preach it, bless God. I'm, I'm getting help from my own preaching, hallelujah. Hey, I'm glad he decided to stick it out. Old John, has they boiled him in oil? Hey, he stuck it out, friend. Hey, when they nailed Peter upside down, he stuck it out. Hey, friend of mine, when those martyrdoms and the catacombs of Rome and the Inquisition, praise God, and those in Middle Eastern countries who are beheaded for their Christianity, praise God. I mean, they hadn't drawn their retirement. They hadn't put in for social security. Praise God. They say, by the grace of God, we're gonna go on and go on and go on for the glory of God. Yeah, lessons for Laodicea. Can I give you this? I believe I see compassion. This is not a contrast to continuation. This is not a contrast to consistency. It's not a contrast with any other. But what motivates us? What motivates us to continue? There at Calvary. First Corinthians 13 says a lot about motive, doesn't it? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, what if you could do that? We've heard great preaching this week. Challenge, I'm talking about straight from the book. Man, pray, it makes me want to preach. 
I hear that preacher, Dr. Treber, busting high on that bunch of contemporary music this morning. We was in the motel room jumping up and down, throwing Bibles over our heads. Say it again. You know what automotive is? said, though I speak with tongues. He said, though I, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, some, some great millionaire giving all he's got to feed the poor, though I have all knowledge. And then it goes on to use the ultimate, listen to this, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, Holy Ghost channeled, Holy Ghost motivated service. He said it probably nothing. Now let me, let, me, let me help you all right now. If you ever hear that I got martyred, write it down. It's because I ran out of bullets or I ran out of air. Somebody help me. I don't care one thing about a martyr's crown. Some of y'all can have that one, praise God. But what about our Savior's compassion? Some having compassion, Jude said, can make a difference. Compassion's not always expressed in a meek voice. Jesus might have been meek, but he was not weak. Compassion. Understand the last thing Jesus did before we checked out of here. The last thing, seven cross utterances. I mean, that cross was a powerful, you know, he had the power. Jesus had the power. They, they said, well, old Mel Gibson had a good, good movie he put together on the passion of the Christ. The only thing wrong with it, he was wrong who took the life of our Savior. No, no Sanhedrin had the power to take the life of the Creator. No Roman government had the power. No, no Roman centurion spear had the power to to take the life. When Jesus got, he had the power to hang up there till now, praise God. Amen. When he got good and ready, when Jesus, now nobody killed Jesus, friend. I've even heard that our sins nailed him to the cross. He, he was nailed because of our sins. But listen to me, when he got good and ready, he said, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Yeah, he's the one who could take up his life. I'm saying to you, the power was there. But in the middle of that power, in the middle of that, that, that purchase, in the middle of that pardon, he had enough compassion to say, Father, forgive them. The ones that plucked his beard. That's not easy for me. I want to retaliate. Somebody help me. They go to talking, they go to making fun. Old Jeremiah thought he, he, he got to the place where it bothered him so bad. Jeremiah said, I'm just going to sell up. They're mocking me. They don't receive my message. And buddy, he clammed up. He said, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going to speak anymore in his name. He said, but there was a fire down on the inside. And he got to thinking, somebody's got to say something. I mean, God's given me a prophecy. He's given me a, a word. And I've got to warn Israel. And he said, I wearied myself of forbearing. In other words, he got tired from not saying something. Man, some of you preachers ought to be wore out from not saying something. Somebody help me now. God help you all. Your tongue ought to be dragging the ground for not saying something. Amen. You wouldn't preach against a rattlesnake if you had one wrapped around your neck. Amen, friend. Hey, but hey, the compassion that presents itself at the foot of Calvary. Oh, we ought to get some of that, friend. 
Compassion in spite. Compassion in spirit. Compassion in sincerity. The world knows if we're serious or not. You can fool some people, you can't fool all of them. Let me say this and I'm through. Before we leave this property and before you start talking about cancel culture and Dr. Seuss, amen, before you start talking about transgenders, for, amen, for, for you, before you start talking about abortion clinics, before you start talking about all these left wing and, and American history, before you, amen, before you start talking about burning the American flag, before you start talking about these leftists and socialism and communism, before you, before you start, hey, let me ask you something. I don't even want to hear it unless you've got a pocket full of gospel tracks. Unless you go back and decide by the grace of God, we're going to put the buses back on the road. Amen. And still, by the help of God, we're going to raise money to send another foreign missionary to the foreign soil with the message of the gospel. Before we're going to go back, praise God, and challenge our teenagers to live holy and look right. Hey, friend, hey, we ought to have some compassion on the lost and undone, friend. We're here tonight. Calvary, the ancient monument. It was on a hill far away. We sang it, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. I'll cling to the old rugged cross. It's an emblem of suffering and shame, but we're not ashamed of the gospel. With the help of God in light of Calvary, we ought to leave this place motivated like never before, like never before to do something for him. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.